new beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. We always appreciate your support and listening to the podcast and different episodes. And thank you for sharing it with your friends. The podcast listeners keep growing. And so something's going on. And so it's probably you guys that are sharing these episodes. So thank you so much for doing that. So today uh, you have me, Joshua Black, the one doing the Grief Dreams research going solo today. Uh, Sean and Jade couldn't be here. So it's just me. So I'm excited. These episodes are always fun because it's just like the flow is everything that I ever dreamed of because it's just me. So I will miss them, but uh, let's get started. So today we have Haley Harris Bloom, who works as a nurse in the emergency department. She enjoys the privilege of helping treat people during their most vulnerable times. After a series of close family and friends died, Haley has developed her time outside of work to research in grief. She realized a gap in grief resources for the bereaved during the process and is currently creating Grief Guide, the first interactive self-counseling app to help people navigate grief. So Haley, thank you for coming on the podcast. Joshua, thank you so much for having me. I'm incredibly honored to be here. Uh, thanks. I appreciate that. And I feel like it's going to be a really good episode because there's a lot of stuff we're going to be able to talk about that we haven't really talked about. And the one's going to be this app you're developing, which I think is a really interesting idea. But before we go there, I'm curious about being an emergency department nurse. Was this by choice or was this the only job available? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Well, it was by choice, maybe more like fate. I'm not sure if I believe in fate, but it was a roundabout way of getting there. I got my undergraduate degree at UC Berkeley in international relations, which is not nursing, <laughs> but um, I enjoyed my my education super thoroughly and graduated ready to work in the nonprofit sector, ready to travel and getting a job was really difficult and getting a job that paid was really difficult. Um, and the other aspect is that I felt I didn't have a skill to offer people. So looking at the jobs that were available, I, I didn't have a skill set to be like, yeah, totally, I can help you. So I, I, I was kind of frustrated at um, myself for choosing a liberal arts degree, which is totally wouldn't, wouldn't change it. But I decided to get my EMT license because I figured everybody has a body. This is a good skill to learn. And so I did that and I had an externship in the, uh, in the emergency department and I had never been more elated in my life. It was just so beautiful. Everybody functioned like a beehive. Everything was well organized and things moved quickly. And it was during that experience that I knew I wanted to be in the emergency department. So that's, that's kind of the impetus for me becoming a nurse and wanting specifically to work in the emergency department. Wow, it's so interesting that you found your calling there, because I would imagine a lot of people, that's the last place they want to be. Right. Well, for most people, it is the last place they want to be. Um, and I understand that. But I, the adrenaline in terms of um, working with people in really acute situations is something that is fun. It's exciting. We do have skill sets and we save lives every day. And it's really a beautiful thing. Um, so I'm, I'm really grateful to be in the profession I am. It's definitely draining physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every capacity. So 
you know, I'm lucky I get to work three days a week and have four days off. Hence me having the time to do this extra research. So I definitely restore during that time. So I'm not sure if it's a for everything, but it's a it's a really great platform to start my nursing career as. Yeah, that's nice. And so how long are your shifts then? Are they 12 hours? Yeah, they're 12 hour shifts. Wow. So I had a, a lovely 12 hour shift yesterday, but I am restored and rejuvenated to talk to you today. <laughs> that's tough. I don't know if I could do, you know, 12 hour shifts back to back. That's a, that's a long day. It's a really long day, but Hey, good for you to be yeah. able to do good for you to be able to do that and help others and say at the end of the day, like, you know, we need people like you out there to help us when we, uh, we have complications going on. Well, that's what we're here for, but thank you for doing what you do and talking about grief, which as you know, just as well as I do, is something that is not talked about enough. So I really appreciate what you do. Um, so thank you for doing that. Ah, thanks. <laughs> I always appreciate the support as we, uh, as we do this stuff. So it's great. And I'm glad uh, we get to talk some more about grief with you. But first, before we go there, I actually want to get uh, into some of the nursing stuff a little bit more just in the sense of how do you cope with that? Because I hear it's, there's a large burnout rate for nurses in hospitals. And so like, how do you manage all that, that stress? It's a great question. That was my number one question coming out of nursing school. I asked my professors, how, how do you cope? How does one cope with work that's this serious? nobody really had a good answer for me. Everybody's was different. And a lot of it is you just kind of get used to it. So I, you know, I have this intersection in my interest for grief. So part of part of my my learning and researching grief has really helped me cope. But also, I have a pretty, I have a lot of trust in the care that we provide. So when somebody comes into the emergency department, and things don't work out they they can't make it past um whatever injury they have um i know that we did everything in our power to try to save this person and that gives me a real sense of peace and that that if we weren't able to save them we they were not going to be able to be saved at all so so i know that we did everything in our power I definitely exercising is also really wonderful and definitely keeps me sane and this fall weather right now is really adding to that. So I'm very happy about that. And then just taking care of myself, eating, you know, hanging out with friends and um, just trying to see the beauty in the small things too. And the interactions with the patients, it's just very real. They will open up to you in a different way because they are at their most vulnerable. So so even though a lot of them are are in this acute time of suffering and pain, they're also very real. And that's very refreshing and makes me able to go back to do more. Oh, that's cool. I never thought of that. I know like when you're dealing with people who are grieving um, or even dying, like they, they definitely open up a lot more. That's interesting. In the emergency department too, like people are open to have deeper conversations. Can you give them that time or are you just so busy going from patient to patient, that it's difficult to give that one-on-one -on -one time? Yeah, that's a very good question. And you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's very difficult because I like to be a connector. And it is hard to, you know, bear my soul and be witness to, to see their soul in the five minutes I have to be with you before I have to go to the next patient. So it is really difficult. It's a balance and shifting gears to be able to be present 
for the couple minutes that I'm with them before I have to do something else, it's really proven to be challenging, but it, it's a two-way street. So they also have to be open. So it definitely is possible. And it's something that happens every day. I do get to connect on a bit of a deeper level, but it's not with every person. And um, it's definitely a balance because I, I have you know, a to-do list of 20 things that are always changing in terms of their priority in my head, but trying to be present at the same time. It's definitely a balance and a skill that I'm trying to develop further. Well, you seem happy on the podcast, so you must be doing something right <laughs> to balance everything out. <laughs> and so how long have you actually worked as a nurse? Yeah, I'm a baby nurse. I just started working last year is when I started working. So I am totally fresh, um, just open to all the things. My The learning curve is so steep, and um, it's but it's really beautiful. And so trying to absorb all the information, all the interactions, all the skills. And yeah, that first year of learning is incredibly intense, especially in the emergency department. But I love it. And um, I, I'm very happy to be there. And it's definitely making me into a better, um, better rounded person. So I'm glad to be there and um, looking forward to gaining more experience every single day. Is there is that where you want to like end up in like 20 years or do you have different a different place you'd want you see yourself going? I'm not sure physically I could do it for another 20 years. <laughs> the 12 the 12 hours is is very exhausting. Um this is as far as I've gotten for the moment. I I knew that nursing was the goal, the the next goal and it took a long time to get here between prereqs and applying to schools and getting into school and going through the program and um, getting a job in a level one trauma facility. And that was the goal. And I am so happy that I am here and that I made it. In terms of my uh, professional trajectory, it's very unclear. I think that through my life, I've been really open in terms of setting plans and goals and then adjusting accordingly. Um, and so right now I can tell you, which is in line with why we're talking today, I do have a, a raw interest in grief. Mm. And um, so if I could tell you my dream, it would be to get my PhD, such as yourself, um, but in doing a cross comparison of how people grieve around the world. Mm. I'm not exactly sure how to make that happen right now. I'm just... <laughs> doing the 12 hours but, but it's definitely <laughs> something that's in the back of my mind that's cool it just seems you're always wanting to learn and for right now said so you got a job which is one thing you wanted and you're helping people along the way and yeah who knows right like in 20 years where you're going to be but it just seems like um where you're at you love learning and who knows if you get that phd or or you do something else but it seems you're very fluid and what life brings about so that's cool i'm looking forward to seeing like where your life takes you as you move forward and i'm Curious now to talk about your your grief because you talked about it a little bit so far. Were you working in the as a nurse when people died, like that your close family and friends, or was this before? Yeah, it was during nursing school actually that it happened, and um, I did an accelerated program, so a year and a half, and it's super quick, and it's, it's like a full time job, and um, 
yeah, I just had this series of um, deaths. Two of my cousins who I grew up with, they were both in their 20s and they were brothers. Um, they both died during this period. One died a little bit before I started nursing school. Um, and then his brother died while I was in school. And then um, my childhood best friend died as well while I was in nursing school. And I remember very specifically for um, those two deaths that happened while I was in school, they were both right before a big test, which was, <laughs> you know, it did, it did put life in perspective, you know, as to what's important. But um, yeah, they, it just kind of, it, it changed my path a little bit. Um, to be like, wow, you know, this is life happens and death happens and it, it doesn't discriminate by age. So no, no, it doesn't. And what were these like the, the first, like the first time you've like had a significant loss in your life? Yeah, I've been very fortunate. I have known people to die, but they've been older relatives, um, a little bit removed and friends of friends but I've been extremely fortunate and uh, haven't had significant deaths before these three. That's interesting, but it's it's wild that they happen when you're in school because I think that's, that that's so tough because the, the amount of like, especially before a test, like, I don't know what else could uh, be go wrong before, before a test and a death, but how did your professors deal with that? Did you ask for time to, to mourn or grieve or did you go right into the test right into the back to school yeah i actually my dad called to tell me right before my first midterm of nursing school oh my goodness and i just went to go take the test right afterwards and uh, needless to say it wasn't my best test but <laughs> I, I i did not ask for time i did go back uh to california where i'm from and i'm living in north carolina now so it's not as easy to go home um, after these two deaths happened, because they were right back to back. Um, yeah, but I did not ask for time off from school. I just kind of, uh, these deaths, um, some of them were opioid related. So I just tried to channel some of my work to focus on the opioid epidemic while I was in school. I put on a program called Turn the Tide, which is um, about opioid awareness. And we brought in a bunch of different doctors and speakers and um and it was really beautiful to try to to channel it that way too and I was definitely overwhelmed at the how how big the opioid epidemic is and so that was that was helpful but I didn't really feel like I could make a difference in that moment um and so I I had to sit with how I wanted to honor their memory and um channel my grief and so I did start studying how to grieve after they died because I had never really thought about it before. Mm. It's interesting. Uh, how do you grieve? And I think for the most part, a lot of people keep that, even like when they are grieving, they keep it in. I think this is interesting with, you know, having a death while doing any kind of schooling because it happens a lot. And but yet a lot of people don't ask for extra time or they don't ask for a little bit of a break because they don't mention it to their professor. And like, why do you so why do you think it was for you that you didn't want to bring it up? Like, I know when my father died, I went right back to school and I didn't basically I, I had a test probably like two weeks later. And I studied and I did good. 
but I wanted to get back to the routine more than I wanted time to grieve kind of thing. You know, it's like, I'll get to that, but I want to finish like some of these, these, this stuff. But so for you, like, what was it for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not very good at asking for help. And so I try to do things by myself and get through them. To be fair, my friends here and during nursing school were extremely supportive, really just threw themselves into being there for me. My family back home were extremely tight, um, so they gave me a lot of support. Um, But I just wanted to, you know, not disrupt anything. And also with a program like the one I was in, I didn't have time to to stop and ask for an extension or otherwise I would have to, you know, be a semester behind and that throws everything off. So um, it, it is hard to ask for help though. Um, so, but I'm fortunate to have a strong support system. Yeah, that's nice. And you're right. Like, I think that's the fear is that it's going to take longer, especially in your accelerated program to then graduate. And, you know, like you have your goals. So that's tough. So I'm I'm glad you made it through and you got the marks needed to get that career. But, you know, what a difficult road that is that you had to do, had to deal with. And so on your your journey, so you're trying to figure out <laughs> what is grief and how do I do this properly? <laughs> so what did you come across? Did your friends give you support? Did your body just know what to do? Like, did you just cry or was it just like you're in this weird kind of um, fog? Yeah, all of all of the deaths of these boys that that I love, they they were all really complicated. They were all fairly um, they did not have peaceful lives. And so there was a slight sense of relief, like, okay, well, they're not suffering right now, I don't think. And so it was a little bit of a fog, like, wow, I, I can't believe this is happening. I did have a lot of support and also I just distracted myself with school. Um, but trying to learn how to grieve afterwards gave me a lot. So I, I graduated and um, I did try to to learn about grief while I was in school, but it there was not a lot of time. So after I graduated is when I really delved into books and you know, grief counseling handbooks and websites and resources. And and that was helpful. So it was postponed a little bit, which often I'm sure grief is because, as you know, life doesn't stop when we have a significant event like this. We have to keep going to work or keep going to school and we still have responsibilities. And so it's really hard to try to incorporate grief and keep on going with our lives that's part of why i had the idea for this app is how do we incorporate grief when we are so busy i think it's it's such a a good um, segue into that because we're living in a different time now where i'm guessing the first place you looked was online right (laughs) like you typed in how do i grieve or something like that yeah (laughs) right and i think too like even younger like you're going to apps you're going to social media things to to look for solutions and help and so on your journey of trying to figure out some of the stuff like what kind of what kind of websites did you go to was there any kind of social media accounts that you went to or, or saw 
before you said we need a better way? I didn't really have a lot of patience for online resources. There were so many that I was instantly overwhelmed. And the whole time I did think of the parents of these boys, because when you're, you know, in the acute phase of grief, it's hard to process a lot of information. And I would Google how to grieve or grief resources. And there were just so many that it was impossible to sift through. And I tried, but I really, I lacked the patience for that. And I decided to go straight to to grief counseling handbooks. I'm like, okay, I want to learn what grief counselors know because they must have the secret. So that was my train of thought. That's interesting. Yeah. And I think too, when you're grieving, the reading would be very time consuming and difficult. I wonder if YouTube videos would be a better approach um, just because it's less work for your mind and you can now just pay attention to what's going on. Did you ever go to YouTube? I did not. Um, I think I've mentioned I'm a little technologically illiterate, so YouTube's not my first thought. It's funny to try to create an app, but um, no, but I think depending on what style of learning is best for you, uh, whether it's audio, visual, you know, reading, kinesthetic, et cetera, um, that YouTube might be really great for some people. Um, I am sure that there, I know that there are some, some grief counselors that have stuff online where they talk to you, um, they tell you what's typical, what is not. And so I'm sure that that's a really great resource. I, I don't have personal experience um, in offering some suggestions for that, though. With that. And so what were some of the things you were looking for specifically during your, your grief process? Like, were you having bouts of anger? Was it just sadness or guilt because you kind of felt relief like that, you know, they weren't suffering anymore? Like what were some of the the issues? Yeah, I think some of the issues were how how do I go forward? How How am I because I grew up with these boys, how am I alive and, and they're not. So I guess a lot of that is grief, um, uh, is guilt I'm in my grief. Um, and, and how did I get so lucky? How did I miss, you know, some of the really difficult things that these boys went through? Um, I think that that was one of my overarching issues to get through is, is guilt. And I think that that will be something that will take a long time to get over. Um, my cousins, they had a, a difficult childhood um, in foster care and growing up, everything was, it was just, it was a challenge and uh, they were constantly acting out because of their tumultuous upbringing. And even though we went to the same schools and we spent holidays together, et cetera, et cetera, we were so different from such a young age. And I think growing up like that and having this chasm between us, that just even further solidified, you know, how my guilt with how I got so lucky to be alive, to be healthy, to have a, a stable life, um, to be connected with my family and their lives turned out so differently and ultimately their deaths did too. So I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that I am still trying to process. Mm. And so did you, 
journal is that one way that you're you helped yourself um because i'm guessing because that's the premise of your your app right is that you get to write about these questions or these things so could you explain if you went to journaling and then how you went to the developed your app yeah sure um actually i used the five minute journal which i'm not sure if you've heard of that before but it was um it did kind of spur my thought to make this into a journaling app but it's uh, an app that it basically is a gratitude journal and it asks you what, what you're grateful for today, what you're looking forward to today, how can you make today better. Um, and focusing journaling that way was very helpful. I'm, I'm a grateful per- person to begin with, but to have that targeted, that was helpful. Um, I historically have not been a journaler, so this is a little bit of a um, a different pathway. Um, I think for me, I am, as we talked about before, a learner above all else. And so just kind of the voracious reading uh, was the number one way that I dealt with my grief. And then taking all the reading that I did and trying to compile it into, the goal wasn't necessarily to make an app. The goal was just purely so I could learn about grief. And then realizing that there is a gap in resources that are accessible, easy to use every day, and can be sifted through a little bit easier than just Googling and having a bunch of websites pop up. So that wasn't necessarily, that wasn't the intention, um, but it did turn into that as I realized that there are people who are grieving every day, and if I can take what I've learned and try to help them that's what I would love to do. Yeah, I think the app idea is very interesting just because I, when I looked at it, I think there's one in the UK for children, but I think that's it. So it's very interesting how that hasn't really taken off yet. And But yet everyone has their phone and everyone uses their phone. And that'd be, I think, a really, it's a smart way to help people. And as technology keeps growing, that's going to be one of the things that needs to be filled because people are going to go there or people are going to want that. So it's nice that you're, you found that there is this need and now it's just developing it. So what was it going to look like or what are your hopes is going to look like when you create it? Yeah. So the premise for the app, so it's called grief guide. And right now we're, we're launching a Kickstarter to help fundraise it because I, I don't have the funds by myself. So so the premise is that it's an interactive self-counseling app. So there are daily prompts, so a short writing prompt that's targeted at a specific aspect of grieving. And with that, um, there's education layered that's specific to that prompt. So whatever the day's prompt is, it'll tell you why this is important, what's typical, what's, what's atypical, when should you reach out for help. And um, then there's also uh, weekly check-ins that are targeted at other things such as how well are you sleeping? How well are you eating? How is your mood this week? So things that you can track and grieving is not a linear process. It ebbs and flows and you can slide back and forth between feeling like you're, you know, quote unquote, progressing and degressing um, and so it's just to have your finger on the pulse of, okay, you know, every week's different. Some are better than others, um, but this is how I'm doing. So it's it's 
two parts with the prompts and the weekly check-ins. And I think that the education is really important because I think I've heard you talk on some of your podcasts. We feel alone often. We think we're the only one who feels this way. And it's good for people to know that you're not the only one that feels this way. And, and this is sometimes expected with grieving, whatever the symptom is, whether it's, you know, a pang in your stomach or a tightness in your chest, that, that those things are typical and, and it's okay. You're not alone and, you know, keep going. I think that, that, that Winston Churchill quote, if you're going through hell, keep going. That's something that I feel like is grieving. You have to just keep going through it. And, um, and this is one thing about the app is that it's something that you do a little bit every day. And so it's something you can do short, you know, a couple of minutes in the morning, you think about your grief. It's a targeted journaling prompt and um, you, you go through it, even though it's hard, but you, you pay homage to your loved one during the day. And even though you have to continue to go to your job and, what other what whatever other responsibilities you have, you have this time and a, a specific platform to help um, with your grief, and that you can you can go to, to to help get through that. That's cool. Yeah, I like the prompts. That's interesting because uh, it forces you to then rem- like remember the the loss because it's so easy to get to try to um, just go back to how things were and avoid those feelings. But there's something beautiful that happens when you actually deal with these emotions and constantly look at it. You won't get those, I think, big breakouts or um, that you would have if you avoid it. And then all of a sudden your world comes crashing down because you don't know what happened to your life. But this is like, it allows you piece by piece to you know process some of that stuff and think about it in a new way. And I think I like that aspect of it because it's so easy to avoid in our culture. Right, exactly. Somebody said to me that they feel that grief is like a pressure cooker, that you have to let a little steam out at a time so it doesn't explode, exactly (laughs) what you were saying. Um, And a lot of the prompts, um, a lot of the prompts give control to the griever because when, when somebody dies, we realize the lack of control that we have, we, we can't, can, we, we can save this person, um, whatever, um, happened. So, so a lot of it is emphasized on setting routines, um, different actions that you can do that you, that give you power too, because this can be a really powerless situation. And so, um, it's also, as I, I talked about a little bit, about gratitude before um, there's a lot of gratitude interwoven as well, because it's been proven that being grateful while grieving can greatly uh, increase your happiness. And so, you know, what, what were you grateful for, for this person or what are you grateful for right now in this moment? Um, so, so things like that. So, so the prompts are all different and they're not always about, like, oh, what makes you cry? Or why are you angry? So interesting. I look forward to seeing how it all all looks when it's done. And so when are you hoping to uh, when's your Kickstarter campaign end and when you're hoping to release the app? Yeah, so it ends at the end of November. 
And um, if we hit the target for the Kickstarter budget, then we'll be able to make the app and hopefully turn it around by May. We are asking for a, a good sum of money. And so the way Kickstarter works is you either make it all or you don't make any of it. And so if if we make it all, we would love to turn it around and have it available for people by May. But if we don't, uh, we're going to have to find another medium um, to get this app developed. Wow. So you don't even know yet if it's going to be developed. That's a scary process for something for having a goal and you're relying on like people hearing about it and donating. Yeah, absolutely. And like I mentioned, I'm I'm not very good at asking for help. So something like this is way <laughs> out of my comfort zone. <laughs> but um you know, it, it was it's also a way to um a talk about grief to bring it up to people who, you know, I interact with every day and that's not a part of our conversation. So now people are coming up to me and telling me about their grief mm -hmm. and that's so beautiful. I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, so, so regardless of the outcome of the Kickstarter, I'm, I'm very happy about it. I'm very happy that I'm, I'm getting feedback about the the idea for the app and people are telling me wow this is really needed like i wish i had this when i was going through grief or you know i know this person who's grieving right now and could really use that um so it gives me the motivation to continue going forward um and you know i'm i'm very hopeful that we make our kickstarter goal um but if we don't it, it i'm my spirits are still high and I think that this is something that is needed and so I'm 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 continuing to work no matter what the outcome is. <laughs> I like that. You're saying you're you're staying positive, which is a beautiful feeling and I, I like how you sort of brought it back to it's, it's it's hard for you because you don't really ask for help and that's what you're doing right now is you know asking the world for help to help you create something to help people as they move forward in their grief. So um, yeah, hopefully you get that. If not, you know, we'll see what happens afterwards, but you're sparking conversation, which, you know, what, what better means of helping others than that? Like you're, you're being able to talk to people about their loss. And that's what I love about this podcast and just doing the work I'm doing. It's just like these conversations is what's most meaningful. Like the research is cool, but like these conversations like bring it to life and it, there's something I think powerful about that. And that's what you're doing, which is great. So keep that up. And uh, I look forward to sort of seeing, you know, like what happens at the end of uh, November. Yeah, wonderful. Well, I will definitely keep you updated and and um, I'll give you the link for your listeners to click on the Kickstarter if um, they listen to it before it's over. And uh, otherwise, I, I'll have a page so or I will give you the video so your your um, listeners can watch the video to to see kind of the app embodied cool all right we'll uh, we'll post that i'm curious for the weekly check-ins you mentioned eating and sleeping did you have changes when you're grieving in those areas no fortunately i'm a great eater and sleeper and that was not <laughs> something that that changed for me um you know while these were close relationships they also were one step removed so it was not my immediate family. So I'm, you know, I don't know how I would have reacted in that situation, but um, that was not something that I had any issues with eating and sleeping. But I, from my research, I do know that that is something that people have a really hard time with is um, 
either you're sleeping too much or you're not able to sleep at all or you're eating too much or you're not able to eat at all. So, and that's, and that's part of this, the education that I want to help provide people that all of that is typical. All of that can be expected, you know, either end of the spectrum for things as simple as eating and sleeping, which get disrupted when you have such, such a significant loss. Yeah, sleeping is like, well, I know a lot about sleeping. And uh, yeah, that's a difficult one because it's not something you're you're taught in school about how to maintain good sleep hygiene and how to sort of get the rest you need because there's so many distractions in your bedroom now. So it's like people just need the education, which they don't get in school. So that's, uh, that's a pretty cool part for your app to sort of help people with. And so with sleeping, one of the... Uh, sometimes a common concern or it's a, it's a huge blessing is these dreams that people have. And so have you ever had a dream of anyone who died? Yeah. Um, so I've had a couple of dreams about my cousin, Nick, who I was very close to and he just kind of shows up and they're, they haven't been super um, significant, but my friend Daniel, so so I'm going to give you a little bit of a background for this relationship. Our, so there were three of us, Daniel, Rachel, and I, and we were all born in the month of May, and all of our mothers were pregnant at the same time and friends with each other. And so we grew up together, like, from the moment we were born. And we basically had three sets of families, and we did everything together all growing up. So, so Daniel, he... He passed away um, a couple of years ago. And so he's the one who I've had uh, the most significant dreams about. And I was just looking through my text messages with his mother and there's a fun dream that I'll start with. I, I texted her and so I just looked back at this and I said, I just had a dream that we were on a speedboat and Daniel was driving and my sister was there and his brother was there and we were going through the Amazon and there were monkeys all over the place and we were just all having a really good time and so that was just kind of a fun dream um <laughs> yeah which i've never been on a speedboat in the amazon before so oh yeah, that's wild experience. <laughs> that's so um, funny how did you feel when you woke up from that dream i was just happy i was just yeah. like wow like that was you know just really happy and everybody was together and um, I'm very close with my sister so I just my heart goes out so um, seriously for his brother um, and they were very close and so I think having that dream and having the two of them together and the two of us together it was just it was just a happy a happy experience I think it's cool uh, that you well you had the dream which is beautiful but you also shared it with his mom and so what was her reaction? Did she say, I had one too? Or like, what did she say in response? You know, I actually, I should go through and see it. What she didn't respond saying that she too had a dream. I think it was something like, that sounds like so much fun. Love you. <laughs> um, and I, I haven't had a conversation with her about her dreams. I know that she has had very significant dreams with um, prior loved ones who died. Um, so that's, I, I should have called her before we had this conversation. I'm sorry I didn't. Um, but she's, she knows that I'm on the podcast today and I told her to go back and listen to a couple of years. So, um, she'll definitely be listening to this. And, um, the other dream that I had about Daniel that was, 
um, really impactful for me was we were just like sitting. I think I was in my room on my bed and we we're just sitting there and he was there and it wasn't a, a tremendously long dream, but in the end he hugged me. It was just like this really, you know, lovely embrace and it made me wake up from the dream and um, my body just felt so alive. Like every, it felt like every cell in my body was just tingling and I felt so like happily peaceful. And it was just, it was, it was a dream that made me feel like he was okay. And it was just, yeah, it really impacted me. Wow. It seemed like there was a lot of love going on in that dream. <laughs> yeah, and I, I know I listened to... So you had a dream about your father that sounded a little bit similar just with a, an embrace yeah. as well. Did you have like a physical feeling when you woke up that was like in your My, body or how did you feel? Well, yeah, like because I went to bed kind of like like moody and like there wasn't much joy. But when I woke up, there was this this release of all that. And I was just sitting, I remember just waking up and sitting at the end of my bed saying, what, what was that? <laughs> like, what, yeah. what just happened? Cause I feel totally different. Like I could, I just sat there like in that moment. Yeah. And so there's that feeling, right. It's, and probably, you know, if I went back, it was definitely be a feeling of love. Um, but also the change, how fast things can change with one dream. It was perplexing because it's been like three months of just like kind of like sorrow. And then it's like, then this happened and it regulated like happiness in my life and joy. I'm like, wait, what? Like, wait a second. Like, this is, this is so strange. And then like everyone else starts sharing these dreams. So it's cool that you had a similar kind of experience where like you woke up with this like this feeling of love. And also you're saying like that, uh, that he's OK and stuff. Um, but those are the dreams people want. Like those are the dreams that, you know, people don't want to wake up from. Yeah, it was a definitely a frame shift afterwards, just in terms of how I viewed his death and my feelings with it. I just, it just made me feel a little bit more peaceful on the subject, and um, yeah, I'm very grateful to have had that dream. That's cool. No, yeah, me too. Because like some people can have negative dreams and stuff, but it seems like you're having more positive dreams, and that is, you know, it's it's interesting, and that's why we kind of started the podcast to sort of shed light on some of these experiences. And how they're all unique. I like the Amazon one because, like, it's not a memory. You know, <laughs> this is something like completely different. <laughs> but like, you got to see him in a healthy way too. And I think just those moments of seeing, you know, the deceased in a positive light when they're not suffering is, I think, it's therapeutic in a way. Yeah, definitely, definitely, really grateful for those. And I'm, I'm glad you're talking about it. It's just really wonderful. Dreams are just so interesting and. And when you focus on dreams about the deceased, wow, that's just super rich. So thank you for doing that. No problem. <laughs> no problem. Uh, so have you ever asked anyone else about their grief dreams uh, throughout your life? Or has it just been you had your own and you sort of just, you know, shared it a couple people and that was it? Yeah. Well, like I mentioned, I'm I'm very close with my sister and I, she'll tell me, she's like, stop calling me about your dreams. I'm like, I want to <laughs> talk about them. Um, so, so we'll share our dreams together and she's had a, a lot of dreams about, um, our cousins that died and also Daniel and his brother too. 
and um, they're they're similar. Just you know, they're mostly happy, um, and they're really a good like starting point to to talk about them and to talk about our grief and progressing with you know how how we feel about it and and I think that her her guilt too about how we're so lucky uh, the two of us we really just feel grateful for our connection and we're also grateful to have, to to have known these people so uh, I think that dreams are a good conversation starter um it's mostly my sister that I talk to about that, but but now that we're having this conversation, I'll be asking other people about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing because a lot of people don't get asked a question, so it's like a fresh question that they never probably talked about um, with many people in their life, and so that's why when I when I go out and I hear someone has you know has lost someone, I'll just randomly like bring it up in the conversation, and it's amazing the responses you get because most people probably would have had one. And so you're getting a lot of these different stories that they share and a lot of them even tear up and stuff. And you're like, wow, like, I didn't know it was that meaningful, right? But most of these dreams or it's very common to have these very like powerful, loving dreams. And for them to be able to share it, it's like they've wanted to share it for a long time, but just no one's really asked. And so just by asking the question, it fuels so much stuff and you learn so much about them. Um, Because like that Amazon dream, if I met you in a superstore (laughs) or something, I would ask you like, so who was this guy? And, you know, was he adventurous like this? You know, like, so there's like different things. You're like, oh, no, or oh, yes. And and there's a story that goes along with that or a memory. And then you just it it really facilitates new conversation rather than the old stuff. So, uh, yeah, try it out and and let me know what you (laughs) what happens. (laughs) Yeah, I'll shoot you an email and just <laughs> compile everybody. You're like, please stop asking about my dreams. Yeah. Once you do it once, then uh, they know that you know. Like, yeah, every day, did you have a dream yet? Did you have a dream yet? Yeah. No, it's funny. Yeah. So uh, let's see what else. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about when it comes to your app, your your own grief journey, or any advice you want to give to people who are searching right now? Yeah, I I'd love for people to check out the Kickstarter. I would love to hear feedback because it's still in flux. Like I said, it it hasn't been created yet, so there's still we can still add things to it or make it. You know, if people are asking for a certain thing um, or have a concern or question, please reach out to me. I I'll give you my my email address as well. Joshua. So if anybody wants to reach out to me, I'd love to to engage in a conversation. And yeah, just I, I would love to have grievers just have a little bit of a little bit more help. Also, the premise for this app, this is something that can be used in conjunction with working with a professional counselor. This is not something to take the place of that. This is something to use in conjunction with life, with whatever your specific needs are. Um, This is an additive, um, something that can just give a little dose of brief reflection for the day, a little dose of education, um, a little check-in to target this area that is really difficult. So I just wanted to to emphasize that while while it's coined interactive self-counseling, that is not necessarily in lieu of uh, professional counseling. Everybody's grief is different, and some people don't need to see a professional, and others it might be 
more beneficial to do so. So she wanted to give that little plug, but it is something that I believe no matter what other things you're using, um, you know, if you have a good support system at home, et cetera, I think that it can be just synergistic to just kind of help bring everything together and give you uh, the daily aspect that might be lacking with some of those other resources. Nice. And where can people uh, find you or find the, so for the Kickstarter, they just type in grief guide and does it pop up? Um, So you can type in right now, you can type in Kickstarter grief guide and it'll pop up Um, there. I can also give you uh, the link. If you can also type in uh, bit.ly forward slash grief guide one and then i'll take you right there i'll send you that link as well so it's easy for people to click on okay so put that in the show notes and our final question that we always like to ask our guests is if you could have a dream tonight of someone who passed away what dream would you want to have yeah that's a great question i would love to have a dream about my cousin tyler because I have not had a dream about him and um, his life out of anybody's of these three. Um, it was definitely a lot of, I, I just didn't know what was going on in his life. It was very mysterious, but also sad. He, yeah, just, uh, it's hard to put into words, but a lot of drugs and living on the street and sadness and um i just lack of peace is definitely something that he had during his life and so i would just love to know just you know to say hey and and see that light back in his eyes and just have a conversation because it's been a a while since even when he was alive that we were able to have a conversation like that so i i'd love to have the interaction with him that's nice. And did he, like, what would you want him to be wearing? Like something like a brand new suit or did he have like, uh, like a sense of like a, a style that he always wore? Wow, that's a really interesting question. Um, no, he's definitely like, you know, kind of baggy jeans or something and a, and a t-shirt. So whatever he would be most comfortable in is comfortable with me. He's, you know, the... <laughs> The image of him in a suit definitely puts a smile on my face. Um, I don't think that would be it, though. I don't think that's uh, probably true to how he was most happy. So, <laughs> Unless that was actually the case. Maybe he loved suits and I just didn't know about it. <laughs> that's right. And so where do you want this to be taking place? What's the setting? Oh, wow, Joshua. You ask great questions that make me really dig deep. I don't, you know, we love I'm like, I'm like a grief dreams app. <laughs> yeah, you are. Keeps prompting like you. It was like a month worth of prompts just in this one conversation. Um, I love it. You, you should, you know, get your own app for this. We love the beach, and we would go to the beach a lot together, growing up especially. And I think that that would be absolutely the perfect place to have this interaction. Uh, I have this favorite spot of mine in California where there's this bluff in Northern California. And I feel like that's just a perfect, the perfect spot to picture this dream. Oh yeah. I'm picturing that. It's, it's, it's beautiful and beautiful place. 
And for the conversation, did you just want to talk about what's going on in your life? Did you want to talk about his life in the past and what he dealt with? Like, so what do you want that conversation to be like based around? Yeah, I, I think that I would like to know that his, his life was really difficult. I think I, any, cause I'm, I don't follow any religious identity and it's, you know what what the future holds after we pass on i i don't know about i don't have uh specific uh knowledge about that at least for myself i don't have a belief necessarily i'm just kind of open and so i i would love to know that he is happy i mean i'm not sure that happiness is something that he felt a lot during his life so for him to be able to experience that would make me so relieved and just like okay i'm that that'd just be perfect to know that he's happy um does that answer your question yeah yeah <laughs> i love it i love the i love that we got to chat about that in a little more detail and yeah i hope you have that dream sometime in the near future because as you said it's something that you haven't had yet and you've had um these other positive dreams so it'd be nice to sort of see him happy and i think for our last memories they're suffering right and this is the beauty mm -hmm. of these dreams they can actually provide this like new memory of them in a different place and time where you know they're joyful and, and they make you laugh and stuff so that's cool uh looking forward to uh hearing if you get one sometimes you know coming on the podcast it does trigger people having uh dreams about them so hopefully uh next week yeah maybe maybe just maybe You'll have a dream with him. <laughs> yeah, I'll shoot you an email. I'll keep you updated. The daily yeah, email. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right, that's cool. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. And you just have so much you know, love and excitement and gratitude for the world. It's, uh, it's beautiful to see. I really, you know, like there's some people you meet that, you know, captivate the world. And I think you're one of them. And I'm glad you're working in an emergency room where there's a lot of sorrow. So you can bring a lot of hope to people in difficult times. So, you know, thank you for being you and hopefully the job doesn't kill your spirit as you move forward. <laughs> Joshua, those are such kind words. I really, really appreciate it. You know, I am in the beginning of a lot of my journeys. So I just, I, I really appreciate your support and enthusiasm and for having me on the show. And this has just been so awesome. It really, it's made me dive deep just right now so I've got a lot to think about and uh, I really appreciate you and what you're doing and I wish you the best congratulations on defending your thesis and yeah hopefully we'll talk soon well thank you for your kind words you're the person I'm going to call every time I need some kind words I've been... <laughs> cheer me up well, cheer me up Haley feel, feel free to I, I, I'd always be happy to talk to you Joshua <laughs> that's cool alright so just wrapping up with our stuff now please check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. And if you're interested in these dreams, I've wrote out common questions that I've answered so I can give people a little bit more understanding of what's going on with these dreams. And if they know someone who has questions, um, that's a place to send them. We also have a Grief Dreams Facebook group. And so you can post your dreams in there and talk to others about theirs. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Also, we have YouTube and Instagram TV you can check out. And lastly, we have I have the Dreaming of Owl book that's out. 
And so if you go on Amazon, you can check that out. It's uh, written, it's a picture book for kids, but there's a lot of sort of stuff in there for adults also. And so I wrote that with uh, one of my good friends, Deb Stapleford. So uh, check that out if you have time. Um, and it's all about love. Even though it's grief, there's a, there's a happy ending at the end of this, <laughs> at the end of the book. And then also uh, at, at the end of the podcast, we love to say with love and gratitude from us to you. beginning.